Welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast for dance teachers and dance studio owners who have a passion for the art of dance. Hello, welcome to Regold's Dance Life Podcast. My name is Stacey Morgan and joining me today for this episode is Regold. Of course, wouldn't be an episode without you, Re. How are you? Oh, I feel honoured. I love to be a part of this. <laughs> you love to be a I part am... of your own podcast. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> I'm a guy who's full of gratitude. I'm happy to be a part of my podcast or your podcast. <laughs> we'll I'm doing excellent here. That's I'm so feeling good. excellent as this season moves forward. I can't say that we're all turning a corner here in the States, but it sure is a lot better than it was last year at this time. It's the best way to put it. Awesome. And I'm grateful for that. How are you? Really, really well. Really well. And today's episode is brought to you by Seoul, the Dancer Conference, which is going to be held on July 27th to 29th, 2022. It's going to be a powerful soul-centered event for dancers. Ree, tell me all about it. This is a brand new project for you. Uh, This is one of the reasons that I'm coming to you in such a good mood today, because I've been working on this project. Um, I would call it just to get it out of the way. It's a non-competitive dance conference for dancers, their parents, and teachers. Uh, My objective is to show young dancers all the possibilities that their passion from dance can open up to them, that it isn't just professional careers. We can have a passion for dance and become a dance therapist. Yes. We can have a passion for dance and become uh, author of books related to dance and in dance history. There's so many places to go. So I want, that's uh, a focus. We're also going to have college and university programs. We're going to talk to the kids about their social media presence and how that impacts their lives, whether they become a dancer or not. Oh, so important. So many really cool things. And our listeners can learn more about it at regold.com backslash soul. Check it out. I'm so proud of this event. I guarantee your kids and their parents will go home appreciating dance and appreciating you. That's what we want. I mean, for so many years, Ray, I've come to your conference live, but have never had an experience, you know, associated with it that I could bring the kids along to. This standing side by side, the Dance Life Teacher Conference is going to make it, you know, make July a really special time next year. It sure is. It's going to make it a busy time, but I'm looking forward to it. (laughs) Awesome. And today we're talking about studios and studio owners and, you know, a little bit of rumbling that's been happening behind the scenes that you've been privy to, Reid. Tell us what's on your mind. Uh, I do come today to our viewers and you, Stacey, with something on my mind. It was triggered by a talk... Uh, Related to soul, I'll tie it into soul, Um, working with some higher ed uh, people who are focused on higher ed colleges, universities, conservatories, 
And one of the people that I spoke with was describing to me how at her college, they, the faculty had a hard time respecting the private sector dance studio owner. Right. And that triggered in me, uh, I, I, I knew this was uh, something that was an issue 20 years ago, but I've been involved in communicating with higher ed people and building bridges so that where we better understand each other, each other's goals, and helping our kids to take the best routes because many of them will land in these college dance programs. Oh, for sure. But it it made me start to think about judgment. It made me think about this i'm going to tell you real fast so i'm going to say about five years ago i landed in a in the state of arizona and i was going to visit two studio owners hang out and talk i arrive at the first studio owner and i tell her about my visit with the second one and she said to me oh we're different from her and I, I stopped and I thought to myself, that's interesting. So I asked her what was different. And she said, we're more professional. And so I asked her to describe what that meant. And she said that they have kids that move on to professional careers. Um, but she didn't say anything that distinguished herself from the other studio. Just we're better. <laughs> yeah, we're better. We're yeah. more professional. And she wanted to make that point to me, almost like it would bother her if I compared the two, I guess. And so uh, after visiting both of those studios, I'm on this long ride and I'm thinking to myself, really, why is it that so many people look at their competitors, especially the people in the same town and think we're better than them? So it that's happens so my... often, it really does, oh. doesn't it? I have, uh, I'm certified by this, so I'm better than her. Well, she's certified by that. And she's really good at some of the things that she does. And you're really good at some of the things that you do. But who determines who's better? And wait, <clears throat> why do we have to have that in our brain? Mm-hmm. What, what, why do we have to have it, Stacey? Well, I think we grow up in a culture where winning is said to be very important. I mean, and you're from America. America, superpower. <laughs> so, like, I can imagine that it's, like, ten times more prolific where you're from than, than where I'm from. But I think that that mindset, especially in this, this new generation um, where kids are, you know, are, are growing up in a highly competitive environment, 
makes us makes us feel threatened by the people around us and by the competition around us. When you said something really interesting, Ree, about how she said, you know, we're different. I think as studio mm. owners, that's the ultimate uh, compliment. That's what we want to be because anyone can open up a dance studio down the road, but you want to be different. You want to be able to offer something unique. You want to, like, I just think different as a compliment. You know what? I agree with you. And, and in my mind, I would look at her saying that in the normal way, maybe the way that you just described it to me and to those who are listening. But she didn't mean it that way. Yeah. And let's dabble into what you just said. I, am I not better off just being proud of who I am and saying maybe as a guest comes into your studio and and talks about a studio that they're going to go visit that you say, I, I have a lot of respect for them and point out something that you respect about them. Mm-hmm. Like our subconscious won't let us recognize that. I want us to start to recognize it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it's like us comparing. Here is a, a New York City ballet teacher. Now, she's had the training, the skill. Maybe she's a former ballerina. Now, we have the teacher who's teaching dance to a child with learning differences or disabilities, who's skilled in working with these children and and has whatever degrees in education that she needs to be doing what she's doing. I think our community would say, well, that ballet teacher is the better teacher. And I say, let's reconsider this. Yeah. It's it's about breaking down that um, you know that that prejudice prejudice and that competitive nature that you have within yourself because you know as much as as much as we're talking about dance, this is kind of a life lesson, Ray. Don't you think that it's you know your idea of better may not stand up? There's there needs to be an understanding that everybody has unique and beautiful things to offer to the world, whether that's to their dance studio or that's to, you know, the community and really being understanding when it comes to other people's strengths and what other people um, bring and, and, and allowing people to be their unique selves, I think is really important because, you know, you could, there are lots of really eccentric dance studio owners and, and people who would say, Oh, I'm not going to send my child there because she's crazy, but that she's your her unique self. And she has a whole target market that will happily open their door and um, open their wallet and come to her dance studio. But it's the same, that's the same thing in life. And wait, is it, could it be that that one, uh, who's, in the same town as the woman you just described is frustrated because she has all of these degrees and she doesn't have those people flocking to her studio like that woman up the street. Yeah. 
And then you must ask yourself, instead of what an awesome uh, educator you have the potential to be, you must ask yourself, what is she doing that I'm not doing? Mm -hmm. What can I adjust in my thinking so that I can have a school where kids will flock instead of saying, I'll never be that. And what can you actually learn from the person? Yes. Without compromising, you know, we're not talking about copying what she does, but obviously thinking about, okay, well, she's being her unique self and, you know, she brings lots of energy and she brings lots of joy. What do I have as a person that I can bring more of to my classroom that will, you know, be magnetic for my families and my students that will make them want to come back and and continue coming to me? Because I think there needs to be an abundance mindset, Ree, that there's not... There's not only so many students to go around and it's, you know, if I have one extra student um, or one less student than you, then I need to get them back. And there's, you know, we have to fight over every child that's out there. I feel like if you have an abundance mindset as a studio owner and as a business owner and you know and you stand strong in the power of what makes you unique and what makes your studio amazing and you communicate that to the community, then people will come, people will be drawn to you. There'll be, there'll be enough people out there. And you don't want every kid out there. No. Or every mother. And, <laughs> or every mother. And, and the people that go to that school up the street, they have different expectations. You're not going to make up or you're not going to be able to give them what they're looking for. They're attracted to that personality, to that, as you described in this one teacher who's who's a little more eccentric. People are looking for that energy. Mm-hmm. They like that energy. How can you make people like your energy? Yeah. And spend some time figuring that out instead of looking at and judging that other person that's frustrating you. A hundred percent. And you gave the example earlier, Rhea, about the New York City ballet teacher and, and then the special needs teacher. If you have the New York City ballet teacher in your studio, then communicate that, then share that, then celebrate that. If you have the special needs teacher in, in your studio, then celebrate that, share that, communicate that. It's about knowing what you have, like seeing what you have and then being able to be grateful for that and to share that because everybody, you know, we all have these these studios that are made up of all these different elements and it's about being, you know, really proud of the elements that make up your studio and communicating those. So what does that mean, Stacey? Something we always come back to in these talks. <laughs> the confidence? Yeah, (laughs) is all of what we're discussing got something to do with confidence? Yeah, absolutely. Yes, and uh, I loved your idea of looking inside. You might have said this differently, but looking inside and figuring out what it is that you have that's unique Mm -hmm. and shining a light on that 
teacher that is not the New York City ballet dancer, but that more people in your community could relate to. Mm -hmm. And another thing that I have to touch on, it is something I talk about a lot, but to those who are one of those schools that maybe wants to be elite or wants to really work hard on producing uh, strong dancers who move on to professional careers or, or competitive dancers who win. Know that you can't necessarily have what that teacher up the street has with her recreational program, because the parents aren't looking for what you have to offer. Mm -hmm. You have chosen a path. And so don't be jealous. That person's inspiring the kids who will one day land in your programs if they become good enough. Yeah. But your business is different accept that your business is different and that you have chosen that path. And celebrate those differences, advertise those differences, communicate those differences to the your current customers and also to your prospective customers. Come to us because this is what this is who we are. This is what makes us special. I don't think it's worth trying to look like every every other studio on the block just because, you know, they're doing well. So if I, you know, if my advertising looks like they're advertising, then hopefully we'll do well as well. That's not going to work. No, I actually think that's a huge mistake because you've lost your identity and you're, you're willingly turning, <laughs> turning it over. You're, you're, you can't recreate and be as good as something that someone else has recreated. Mm -hmm. You don't have the same experiences, the same background, the same conclusions to circumstances that drove you in that direction. No, 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 no. You must come to the table with something that is you, that, that feels right on the inside and wait, I'll, I'll take this and connect the dots and say, you only have time to do that if you're not worrying about all the other people. Yes. Yes. I wish I had a drum roll. Maybe when you're... Uh... <laughs> Maybe I need to work on the production elements of the podcast. Who needs a drum roll? <laughs> <laughs> but it's the truth, right? Oh, for sure. And, you know, we can get, we if we're looking sideways so much, we don't move forward. And you want to keep moving your studio forward, not just for your students, but for yourself as a studio owner, as a business owner, you want to continue to be growing. You want to be continuing to learn. And you can't do that while you're spending all the time looking sideways. I think it's really interesting, Reet, the comment that you made about um, university and college programs, you know, being, you know, not having good relationships with the studio owners and the private studio owners that are around them. Because for me, that that just seems counterproductive because the studios are, are going to be feeding the students, you know, their best students into those programs. So in my mind, you know, I would have thought they would be doing their very best to, to form form relationships and form connections with those studio owners so that their programs continue to be full. 
Am I I'm gonna, I'm, no, wait, I'm gonna say it's better. Definitely better than what it was 20 years ago. There was a much bigger separation. Mm. There's much more understanding, but it's still out there. It sometimes is a deterrent for the kid who grows up in the studio who wants to go to a good dance program because when they walk into the school, the school makes a point to say that this isn't your local dancing school. This isn't a competition program. So they're actually losing people mm. by making that point. Yeah, rather than celebrating all that they've achieved in order to get there and, and being appreciative of that. That's yeah. So, so I want to say something. I have been to uh, Australia to present a few times. And I will say that I was surprised at how intermingled your higher ed was with the private sector and also with the uh, pro dancer world, because yet that's another. I'll call it segment that mm. might look down on others. Mm. When I went to Australia, I felt like it was uh, much better understanding and support of each other and what each other does. Do I have that right? I think you do. And I think, you know, the last time I saw you in Australia, you were at um, the Victorian Dance Festival and, and the... Victorian Dance Festival is all about community over competition. That's their tagline. And so the people they attract are people who want that community, who want to grow in relationship with other studio owners, who want to be connected to to industry teachers and to professionals. And so I think that you, uh, in that environment, I think you were spoiled with a, with a lot of people who are really, um, you know, really want that connection and, and really, really understand that philosophy, that community over competition who get that and who want that for their kids as well. And I know that you've done lots of different events in Australia and, but I, I would say overall, yes, there is, there is a really strong feeling of community and connection, but I feel that when I come to the Dance Life Teacher Conference too, Re, I'd, I'd feel like that comes from the top. I, I have made beautiful friendships and beautiful relationships with people on the other side of the world that I've met at your conference, you know, lifelong friends that I now stay connected to conference or no conference because we share that philosophy and we share that understanding and you brought us together. Well, thank you. I, uh, I appreciate that. <laughs> um, so I, I look at this talk that we've had and, and have been really thinking about this a lot today. Um, to our listeners, let's go out there and hit the world with our uniqueness and let's go out there and show the world that we respect and appreciate all the different aspects of dance mm -hmm. and those who have a passion for dance. Um, when we judge success, 
success to me is the impact that you've had on the dancers who flow through your classroom. And that impact, as you know, I say this a lot, um, can happen to every dancer. So don't judge the teacher up the street because she has less kids that move on to a professional career than you do. Judge her by the impact that she has on the 99% of her kids that won't move on to a professional career, just like 99% of yours won't. Yes. And if we could go there, right? If that was, I'm taking this off, but I got to say it. If our product, our mindset about our product went from, we got to produce the best dancers to we got to produce the best citizens. Every parent will want their kid dancing. Because mm-hmm. what, what, isn't it easier to use dance to make good kids who know all of the characteristics that they're going to need to be successful in the future? If we, let, if we let go of this judgment Oh yeah, we could just dance. Could be doing great things for everybody, and we could all be sharing in that success. And by success, I don't mean money or big schools. I just mean in the future because we've made these kids really good people who are passionate about art, confident in themselves, and gonna make the future good. 100%. I know it. Yeah. If you want to read more about this abundance mindset and and the idea of of you know being your unique self, Simon Sinek wrote an incredible book called The Infinite Game, and in that he talks about you know when you're on your deathbed, you know, like nobody dies being the winner of life. Nobody wins life. Nobody wins business. You can be successful or you can be unsuccessful, but no, but there's no finish line. You don't pass the finish line and stand on the podium with a gold medal in business or in education or in your relationship, in your marriage, nobody wins or loses. And studio ownership, I think, is the same thing. And so um, Simon Sinek's book was a really a really um, good reminder for me that we need to think about the things that we're really good at and communicate the things that we're really good at and really respect the um, work that everybody else is doing around us because overall it lifts our entire industry up when we do. Tell everybody that title of that book one more time the infinite game and if you don't want to pick up the book straight away then if you just put simon sinek and the infinite game into youtube you'll get a lot of content because he's been doing doing the rounds over the last 24 months spruiking the book and it's it's good stuff awesome thanks Dave. Ree, this feeds so beautifully into uh, Soul, the dance at conference, which is happening next July, which is um, what this episode is brought to you by, because this is the kind of education that the students are going to get. These are the kind of relationships they're going to be able to form with the the higher um, colleges and universities. And you're creating a really beautiful environment with which to foster that. Can people get their tickets now? Registration for Seoul is open, and yes, they can get their tickets today. We'd love them to check it out. Uh, I feel like this could be groundbreaking for teachers 
and their studios and the parents within the schools to make our competitive attitude uh, change yeah. into a more, how cool is it that we love to do the same thing, no matter what size, body shape, color, beliefs, that we all love this common thing that brings us together. That's what soul is all about. It's, it's a soul-centered experience for dancers. I love it. It's so can you tell I like talking about it? I can, I can, and I'm excited. And I, you know, if the international borders open, I am there. Awesome. Thank you, Stacey. I am going to close out by saying what I always say. Enjoy this journey. Thank you for joining us for Regold's Dance Life Podcast. Learn more about joining the International Dance Entrepreneurs Association, the Dance Life Teacher Conference, and the Dance Life Retreat Center at regold.com or follow Regold's Dance Life on Facebook. Enjoy the journey. You've been listening to another Morgan Media production. 